one thing that Fold is trying to do is to offer a product that is giving good rewards, but is not fun, not not built on this edifice of kind of 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 debt enslavement and just you know the massive expansion of debt have, that is unsustainable for people. Like that's not a game that you know Bitcoin wants to play. Bitcoin hopefully will eradicate that type of behavior overall. Welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. Today, my conversation is with Will Reeves, who is the founder and CEO of Fold, which is a company I'm really excited about. But yeah, Bitcoin is the complete rejection of this debt slavery system that we have today. And that's what gets me so excited about it, because it is a money that empowers the individual. and It's something that we desperately need in society right now. Uh, so yeah, I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, we're recording. Good to have you on, Will. Thanks for doing this. Good to be here, Alex. Yeah, I had a great conversation with Hillary um, a couple weeks ago. Nothing but good things to say about her. And uh, yeah, one of one of the things that really struck me that she was talking about was how Fold is changing uh, people's spending behavior, um, and that got really me really excited um, because it's something I'm pretty passionate about is uh, you know financial literacy and and wealth creation. Um, but yeah, what what uh inspired you to go out and start fold you know folds had an interesting history you know a lot of people know us from you know, maybe a year ago or so with the the app that we launched but folds actually been around for four almost five years now um and initially was created with the simple premise of okay we have this thing called bitcoin more and more people have it um so let's give them a way to use it in their daily life. And so the problem that we were solving at that point was, okay, how can you use your, your Bitcoin to then go spend it at you know, Starbucks, Target, what have you? And it will give you a big discount for doing so. And so uh, we had a big um, uh, kind of pretty strong adoption uh, out of the gate, you know, in, in some bolt, whenever we hit a bull market, there's more spenders out there. We had a lot of miners who were using our, our our, our app, you know, as a way so they don't have to convert back into fiat, they can just use their Bitcoin rewards that they've been earning. And that was going pretty well. And then we hit a, uh, one, of the, one of the larger bear markets and we had to shut down the company and people weren't spending uh, their Bitcoin. And frankly, we were learning quite a bit about what the real problems to solve. And the real problem that we saw wasn't how do we enable people to spend Bitcoin, but how do we get more people to have Bitcoin in the first place? And that seemed to be the larger problem to solve, right? So both from a business perspective, the amount of people that have Bitcoin and that want to spend it is far smaller than the people who want Bitcoin but don't have it. And so we were just shifted the problem we were solving and kind of flipped the model. So instead of spending Bitcoin and getting a discount, we're going to have you spend fiat and earn Bitcoin. And really that that shift there um, uh, has led to what I, what has been an absolute kind of explosion in Fold's adoption, user numbers, volume. It's just a bigger problem to solve that's, that's, uh, that's uh, real for more people. And so really the vision has always been, let's how do we make Bitcoin uh, more accessible, more understandable, more real, more tangible for, for people. And um, the accumulating part is how do we give people more Bitcoin has really is, you know, is where we have found kind of our stride and what the problem we're focusing on is how can we distribute as much Bitcoin as possible to as many people as possible in the shortest amount of time. And so we've used cash back model to do that. 
And very quickly, you'll see us move into other things that not only about spending, but saving, about learning. Um, and all of those will contribute to more and more ways to, to, to earn Bitcoin and get involved in it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it, things definitely change when people have their hands on Bitcoin. Uh, there's a lot uh, stronger incentive to actually go out and learn about it. And so that's one of the things um, I try and do with people too is uh, get them to buy, you know, a small amount right off the bat if it's like $10 or something like that. But, you know, Fold makes it even easier where you're just spending and earning it. Uh, and that gets me really excited. But yeah, uh, why, why do you think it's so important for, for people to interact with Bitcoin right now? Yeah, I think... Uh... We're lucky. Early adopters in this community, the, the few that understand this now have, have, have an extraordinary opportunity. And a lot of it is due to luck. You just happen to have that conversation with that one person. Um, you happen to have been in a community that was making it front and center, that was bringing to that brought you down the rabbit hole. Um, doesn't mean that you're necessarily a better positioned to, to, to understand Bitcoin or to benefit off Bitcoin. I firmly believe that every single person that will will benefit off how bringing Bitcoin into their lives. It's almost an it's a thing where um, I want to make it less about just happenstance, chance, and more something that is makes it more accessible. And the, the reasons why we start thinking about this, exactly like you said, is that the the uh, the amount of uh, Bitcoin you're investing in is almost pretty commensurate with how you how well you understand Bitcoin. And so the Satoshi had this great uh, thread in uh, one of his, one of the, on the cryptography email list where he's talking about, you know, the most important thing about Bitcoin is, is not how we create infrastructure for people to use it so that you can use it for payments or for saving. It's how do we get people to value this thing? How, how do you have that moment for somebody who has really entrenched ideas about what money is and how do you present them a new form of money and make them value it or, or create a, a circumstance or an experience where they suddenly they begin to value it. And what we've learned is over time, the best way to do that is skin in the game. So like you convincing a friend to just buy a little bit. Um, back in the day, faucets. Um, and Fold really sees itself as solving this problem. How can we remove all the barriers uh, of entry to getting skin in the game? So you don't even have to buy it. Um, you don't even have to wallet have a wallet set up. Uh, frankly, if you just have a if you just have an iPhone or Android, you can just spin this wheel and you're going to get some free Bitcoin. The idea is is that as you are accumulating this, you're you start to follow it. You start to check back in with the price. Suddenly, price action becomes an exciting part of your day. You're checking in, and that one dollar that you earned is now worth three, four dollars. And so then you start to think about, okay, I've been saving money in a 401k or under my mattress and my money's not doing that. What is different about this money? Why is, why is my reward suddenly increasing in value in all of my other normal standard ways that I think about saving and help and creating a sound financial picture for myself? Why aren't, why aren't they performing in the same way as my funny spin wheel rewards? And you start to just get people going on that, on that train, you know, if you look across right now, the average millennial is not only thousands of dollars in debt, but they only have a couple hundred to thousand dollars in their savings account. And when we look at Fold, a large percentage of our users have far more in their Fold rewards account than the average millennial has in their savings account. 
And so suddenly you start to create this thing where people are passively earning a reward. And then suddenly now they have more money in their reward account than savings. And this is what really starts to just get people thinking about money itself. Why? Without asking that question up front. It's more of a thing, the Trojan horse aspect where you kind of bring them along the journey and then they realize they've, they're, they're kind of uh, you know, in a new place and with a new understanding about what they should be doing with their own money. And I think products like this, like DCA is a good example of another one of these really low barrier to entry, um, uh, getting paid in Bitcoin. All of these are really critical to um, creating these like aha moments for, for, for people. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think is problematic about the traditional savings model with 401ks and, you know, passive investing like that? I think um, the, the primary uh, issue is that, you know, this idea, this whole, this whole uh, approach to investing and saving um, about having a 60, 40, you know, portfolio, uh, making sure you're throwing a lot of money in your 401k. I, all the people that are forwarding those narratives are people who lived through the largest expansion of the, the U.S. economy in history, and, per, and perhaps in all of history, boomer generation specifically, where these things, these ideas of a 60-40 and 401k just reliably DCAing into you know, stocks, essentially, they have no reason to believe, no proof to believe that anything else is a better option. It worked for them so well. The home, 60-40 split, all of these all of these tried and true mechanisms that they were had the privilege of just being at the right place at the right time, really. Just being born here, getting a job, you know, even a modest job, and then doing this, they were able to ride the expansion of the US economy in this way. And I think the primary problem with that mindset now is that that's just not how the world is moving anymore. We're moving now in a contractionary uh, uh, way where there's a lot more crisis, there's a lot more uh, insecurity about all that. All the things that drove that expansion of the economy are now reasons why it's unstable, right? The the endless printing of, of money, unsustainable debt instruments, all of these things that were creating such a you know, robust, generous economy that made you have faith in your 401k, those things are rapidly disappearing. We're seeing that happen right in front of our eyes. So what I say to someone, uh, you know, in... Uh, in the 80s or early 90s that they shouldn't invest in a 401k? Probably not. I think they probably should. It's a good bet. But now that all the underlying reasons to do so in a general macro context around why those were good investments or savings vehicles are now going away. And so it's more problematic now because it's relying on a context, macro, uh, macro facts and, and, and environment that just doesn't exist anymore. And so no reason, uh, no, no, no problem investing or playing a you know, casino stock market, things like that. Um, but don't think of it as a the conservative bet anymore. That is definitely not what it represents. And so I think that's why we're seeing a lot of flight to insane new savings instruments, baseball cards, NFTs, you know, wild shit coins. Like all of these things are now capturing these people who want to find a place to put their money, but all the traditional sources of a 0.1% APY interest are just not, that's not going to do anything for you. And so now it's increasingly pushing people the edges of different types of instruments. And uh, the, the, the critical piece of what Fold is trying to do is make sure Bitcoin is, is, 
is uh, captures as much of that movement as possible for the sake of Bitcoin, but also for these uh, these people trying to actually create a better sound financial infrastructure for themselves. Yeah, yeah, I think like one of the things that is missing from conversations about traditional investments is the risk that people assume. Um, kind of like you were talking about where it, the stock market is a much more like a casino right now than it is, you know, this tried and true safe investing uh, method. So, so, you know, a lot of people point to Bitcoin as being volatile in price. Why, why is that a better investment than, you know, your traditional 60, 40 stock portfolio? Yeah. So uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple ways you can approach this and there's the, you know, Lindy, the Lindy approach, which is, hey, this uh, this asset has objectively grown 200% uh, year over year. Um, there is no other asset that has done this. Um, it is not only um, uh, growing, but it's particularly immune to this human human uh, um, factor that normally is investable. Like Bitcoin is run on math. There's no other investable instrument that has that reliability. Even at the very base level, there are things that you can know about Bitcoin and be sure about that you cannot be about any other investment out there. And second of all, it's global. This thing is open to everyone. This is a new infrastructure that is being created right now. And so if you look at it from a, okay, let's look at the last 10 years. What do we know? Well, Bitcoin has been a, a wildly, uh, an asset that is performing almost predictably. If you go look at the charts, everything, it has a rhythm there and you can actually tie it back to uh, the way the protocol was built overall. You can even look back even further and say, okay, let's talk about sea changes in new protocols, open source protocols that have been successful. Well, the internet is a very, very clear and easy one. There are an absolute ton of parallels between why uh, in investing in a protocol like the internet and now with Bitcoin that actually lets you get ownership over that protocol itself is a no-brainer and is already showing the same network effects that the internet did prior, except this one, you don't have to invest in, you know, harebrained concepts or uh, things building on top of the internet. You can, you can invest in the most secure part of the whole thing, just the foundational protocol itself. And so from a risk perspective, you absolutely have to have to put it in line with, this is uh, a, a newer protocol, 10 years, but it's also, you look at the underlying fundamentals versus the other options out there. And I would say Bitcoin's fundamentals are on the ascendant rise and most every single other major asset that has been pushed as a, a good savings or uh, investing vehicle are now on the descendant in terms of the increasing risk that you take on, uh, whether that's real estate, whether that is you know your 401k. And so um, I think from there, people can very quickly see that Bitcoin has an obvious place. Now, how large of that is, is totally dependent on how much you have understood about Bitcoin and been burned by it and been blessed by it. Um, but that's a journey everyone needs to just take. That's the, that's the, that is the hero's journey of Bitcoin. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the ways that people get burned, probably the worst in Bitcoin is uh, dabbling in the shit coins. And I cannot tell you how many crazy conversations I've had over the last couple of weeks of people losing, you know, massive amounts of money or, um, you know, just dabbling around with, you know, the, the one that I've been hearing about is called Safe Moon, which is, you know, literally 
the definition of a Ponzi scheme. Um, and, uh, you know, these people are, are I, I think to some degree, they know that they're playing this like kind of dangerous um, gambling uh, game. Uh, but yeah, why, why do you think, why are you guys going with Bitcoin instead of incorporating a bunch of other, you know, altcoins like different companies like Coinbase or BlockFi uh, do? Yeah, so we have a, we have a, I mean, there's a couple answers to this. Number one is that uh, we created uh, gold because we believe in Bitcoin. We don't believe in, we don't believe in any of these other projects to a degree or level that we're going to create a business around uh, the adoption of. We believe in Bitcoin. We believe it's a moral imperative to get into the hands of as many people as possible. Um, uh, and that has a lot to do with number one, Bit, what Bitcoin has already demonstrated in terms of fulfilling its uh, a, 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 an actual real value to people. Number two, that it is just, it is, a, it is the only truly decentralized uh, 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 digital currency out there. Um, it is not run, it's not a company masquerading as a decentralized open source protocol. It is the very definition of that. It's also one of the centers of some of the most robust development activity. And yes, you can make um, uh, the case that other protocols also have, have robust development activity, but it's very different types, very different and built for different people. And so for Fold, we see Bitcoin as the only digital currency that has been created to this date that is something that we feel confident and comfortable in pushing people towards. Because Fold is not just giving you free Bitcoin. It's about pushing you on the first journey into it so you go deeper and deeper. We, we need to be as sure in the asset that you are 100% allocated because that's a very, very possible that we would send you down being a full user. We see that quite a bit. You have a user come earning a little bit. Oh my gosh, it's now almost as much as my savings. Okay, and then they're starting investing more and more and more, which is a, it's a heavy thing to understand that you know this is people's finances, their livelihood. So you better sure as hell believe in the project, believe in the mission, um, and believe in the community around it. And Bitcoin is the only one that possibly uh, um, uh, hits, I think, all of those. And the second piece is that our business model is different. Uh, all those companies you mentioned, their business model is to make money on trading. They make money the more that they can have you convert, send, con uh, buy, sell. And now every single time you're doing that back and forth, that is where they're taking a little bit of a rake. So they want to actively encourage you to get out of your Bitcoin position into some other you know, shit coin then back into your Bitcoin position and to USD. That is where they're making money and they don't care if you're losing money or making money along the way. All they want is to have more throughput going back and forth because that's how they scoop up all of their fees. And that's just not Fold's model. We don't make money on, on, um, on trading or converting in and out of Bitcoin. We have a totally different model. And so our product and our our business has never pushed us in that direction. The only, the only reason that ever happened um, or even was on the table was um, in, I think, 2015, 2016, when we had a crypto winter come through and uh, it wiped out pretty much all activity on terms of Bitcoin spending, which is what the primary use case of Fold was. And we just had to come to this decision like our revenue sources dried up. Uh, right now, no one's investing in Bitcoin companies during, a, during this winter period. The only source of money were these other shitcoin projects that were throwing checks at us saying, you know, here's this. this is enough for you to keep the lights on and everyone on board for a year. Just add this currency. And we decided to shut down full. We decided to shut it down. We'll emerge 
at a better time that made more sense. And that's kind of where you saw the emergence of hold what it is today. We decided not to stay open. We had to make that hard decision. Um, and, that, and that's partly because number one, we didn't believe in the other projects, but our, our business that we're trying to build is, has nothing to do with them. And so uh, we are constantly having to, you know, get into this thing of why to our users who want other coins and other, other opportunities to earn other things there. And it's just not, doesn't fit within our mission. Uh, and it doesn't fit within what we consider to be a good business. You know, if you look outside of the rest of the world, the world, when they hear the idea of cryptocurrency, that's Bitcoin. And if they hear Bitcoin, that's all cryptocurrency. All these other projects do not even register on the average person's um, uh, mind. Um, they have very little to do or help with the average person. And so this is why it's become very obvious that Bitcoin is the, the where we should be putting all of our focus. And a good little anecdote, because it's related to what you just said, is that yesterday I got a text message from a, a, a family friend um, who back in March, uh, I, was, I was staying, I was living, I lived down in Mexico a lot of the time and they lived their neighbors with us. And um, she was asking me, hey, I've understood Bitcoin. You know, I, I want to get to read more about it. So, you know, we, we went back and forth, passing a lot of articles. And at the end of the time, she's like, you know, I want to make a big uh, investment here. I want to move my money into Bitcoin. And I was like, okay, well, you know, what are we talking? A thousand dollars? What are we talking? She's like, I want to move like my a core chunk of my savings. I want to move $200,000 into Bitcoin. How do I go and do that? So I connected them with River, knowing that they don't offer... They don't offer shit coins. There's no way that she's going to see a green candle and feel this FOMO that she needs to get out of her Bitcoin position. Go there. It's a safe place. It, it focuses the, the experience and uh, she's done very well. Even today, you look at where Bitcoin is. She has done incredibly well. But just yesterday, she texted me saying, hey, I don't see a way where I can buy XRP and Ethereum in Matic coin. And I really want to get in there. And I was like, this is exactly why I didn't offer to tell you to go to a Coinbase or anywhere because that friction, that barrier to entry is just too easy to them. They, their whole interface is there. You'll notice when you're not buying, it's not just saying buy Bitcoin. It says trade Bitcoin. You have to go to trade. Then you have to select buy. Their whole, their entire UI is built for you to just liquid trade between all of these. And it's very dangerous for people who just don't know. And when they see these massive green candles, it's natural FOMO. And so uh, I did my best to talk her through. I don't know where, where she ended up. You know, I, we have little control over that. But to your point, it's, it's a constant battle. It's a constant struggle. And the only thing that is going to change that are products and services that just focus on Bitcoin that outcompete the other ones that um, are offering, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> the casino of, you know, all the different types that you can go to get. But but will Bitcoin's only gonna five x my shit coin's gonna ten x or a hundred x? That's yeah, thousand. Yeah, I've seen even higher numbers than that. So okay, if you are in the top one percent, point oh one percent of traders that you have dedicated your entire life to, and you understand how to move in and out, and this is the only thing you're focusing on, I'm still gonna say don't do it. It's too risky because while you may ten x you may drop just as far back down, probably even farther. And these projects that you're dealing with, it's not like Bitcoin, which doesn't have kind of some central orchestrator there that you can, it's just a, you know, cryptographically uh, secured protocol. For all these other coins and all these other projects, there is literally a boardroom of people 
who are making decisions on the monetary policy of where you're going. And so if you don't know what that information or what's being said in that room, the same way you don't in the Federal Reserve, there is zero chance that you should be gambling any of your major part of your life or your, your finances on that. Now, if you're trying to YOLO and you have cash that you're, you are going in, you know, you know, eyes wide open into that situation, no one can stop you. And, you know, frankly, no one, no one really should stop you. You should be able to make your own decision there but have fun getting wrecked. And that's just really what's going to happen with a lot of these people. And the problem is there is a very strong psychological element where people think that they know more or are better than they actually are. And people realize very soon, while you may make one good trade, it only takes one other one to wipe out any gains that you have done. And so at that point at 5X on Bitcoin, something that you can just not have to worry about every single night that you're contributing to a genuinely wonderful project and mission uh, that you can trust in, that is transparent. It has, there's, there, it's not worth any of the risk looking elsewhere. Now, I, 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 have, I will get DMs of people who have made a thousand X overnight and you know, they're retired now, um, but that is by far the, um, the a small, very, very small segment of people. Yeah, yeah, there, there's always that few, uh, there's the few amount of people that have gone to Vegas and walked yep. away, you know, really successful. Um, you know, so they should probably DM you too, but you know, the DMS that you won't get uh, typically are from the people that lose um, large portions of money. But yeah, I, decentralization, I think is such an important um, aspect of Bitcoin. Why, why are centralized cryptocurrencies problematic? So there's um there's an interesting history of, uh, um, of like of money creation in the United States that you can look at. And so a little, little history lesson, because I've done, you know, we fold does Bitcoin rewards. And so like, where do rewards come from overall? Like where the hell do they come from? And actually the history is if you look back um, during the American revolution, uh, you had this thing of, Hey, there wasn't no any native currency. So there were the things they printed called the continentals, which basically funded the revolutionary war effort. It wasn't based on any reserves. There was no gold backing. There was no nothing. It was essentially a hedge against that the Americans would win the revolution. And that's why you want to be holding continentals versus some other thing that you, you wouldn't want to be holding. And that's all it was. And when the American revolution was over, their hedge wasn't any, there was no reason for the hedge anymore. It was, it was already won. And so this currency had just been printed too much. Not to mention they had the British come through and the British were counterfeiting the continentals to flood the market with more and more uh, fiat so that essentially it made it worthless. And so what happened was you had this whole currency collapse. And in the state, instead of it, you know, the, the people who need the money the most are the merchants to stay alive, right? They still need to be collecting money. And so they started creating their own things called tokens. And they were these like copper chips. They were essentially starting to print their own money just to keep business open because nobody wanted to hold continentals anymore. And these, these uh, tokens were the precursor to loyalty programs. You could spend with them and earn these tokens over time. And this token then became uh, stamp, paper stamps because it was too expensive on the token side. And then you have the US government Federal Reserve come through to then re-monopolize money printing and they outlawed all of these merchants from printing their own currencies for their own customers to use. And they very quickly just evolved into loyalty programs about earning points. So these points 
rewards and money have always been very, very related. And so the, the, how it relates to these you know, shitcoin projects is that if you have a central authority that you can knock on the door and bring in front of a court, your project is not decentralized. It is not decentralized at all. If you require KYC to interact with the protocol itself, or you have people actively doing this as a part of the project, that is not decentralized. And Bitcoin is the only one that fits this role. This is why you saw right when Libra and Facebook announced their, their uh, cryptocurrency, it took all of two months for them to be pulled in front of the highest court in the country. Whereas Satoshi had been uh, uh, remained anonymous and, and, and you know free for the last 10 years because there is no one to bring in front. This is why decentralization is how we create an anti-fragile money system. There, there can be no choke point. And so when you have no central governing authority that can be uh, pressured or made to do things, you can't, uh, you, you can't force them to, to, to change their ways. And so um, decentralization is a requirement for a functioning um, digital currency. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great explanation. And getting into monetary history is very interesting. Uh, it, you know, one thing that we know is that every currency that is centrally controlled and manipulated eventually fails. And that's that makes Bitcoin really interesting um, because it it truly is uh, new and unique in, in monetary uh, policy, you know, because like, you know, it's compared to gold a lot, but gold, you had to have people minting it and putting it into coins. And that was manipulatable t as well. Um, how do you, how do you think Bitcoin changes uh, monetary, you know, interactions for the future and, and how is that going to change everything? I mean, I, I think the main, the, the two things that are immediate are that uh, it becomes a kind of, uh, it will, Number one, I think it creates a balance of power that had never been available around. So Bitcoin, um, because it is unconfiscatable in many ways, uh, again, it's not controlled by any central uh, uh, figure or authority who can change the policy. It's just going to be producing blocks every 10 minutes. And that's just what we know, not gonna change at all. And so now you have this competition that can't be shut down, that will constantly be reigning in any governing, you know, centralized, you know, uh, other monetary, uh, uh, um, um, any other monetary policies now has to live in a world where there is this other very different alternative, and you're going to be constantly having to be checked by it now. It's like they can't, now that it's been created, they can't not, they, they don't have the freedom to do what they used to do, which was, hey, we're the only game in town, deal with it. Now there is a very real, very working and uh, you know, for many people, very lucrative number go up alternative that is not present. One of them is melting your savings every, on a given daily basis. And one of them is increasing it. So the one that's melting your savings better give you infinitely better user experience and other benefits to make it worthwhile. And so um, what I, number one, I think it does is it makes uh, uh, central banks have to be far more true uh, and far more balanced or checked. And if they don't, it will lead to their downfall, which um, we've already seen that these banks, the ones that try to then uh, uh, take a stand against Bitcoin, it lasts for a couple months, maybe a year maximum, because they realize it's, they cannot stop it. They, they don't, they cannot do that themselves. It's not a power that they hold. And that's not something that they're, 
they're used to being in a position and they're used to having almost complete power. Um, so there's that this, it's like a, a checks and balances that's immediately happening. That's becoming stronger and stronger check. The other side is um, it is now a tool for economic warfare. And I use warfare in a very general sense around the world. Monetary policies have been so manipulated and already um, um, uh, weaponized against each other. Now there is this whole other currency there that gives a third, a, another option for people to either leverage uh, against others. So if you want to destabilize a reserve currency, it's probably a good idea to encourage the adoption of Bitcoin. Um, if you want to escape capital controls, it's probably a good idea to encourage adoption of Bitcoin. And on the other side, if you want to maintain capital controls, you either have to either uh, adopt Bitcoin, which is probably your best option, or you can do the fruitless endeavor of trying to stop it. And those are the two things, I think, how well it's able to check and balance and how, how far that um, accelerates. And then the other side is how can Bitcoin be weaponized against, you know, it, when it's introduced into a economic, a world economy that already has uh, national currencies weaponized against each other. Now this becomes this little asymmetric tool that can either help or benefit you. And it depends on how smart your country is and how to wield it in the best way. And you know, the good thing, all of these lead to more Bitcoin adoption. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. One of the things that we were talking about at the meetup in Phoenix uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, was how you're lobbying your local uh, government to add Bitcoin to the balance sheet. Why, why would that be beneficial uh, for governments to have Bitcoin on their balance sheet? So, uh, you know, we have um, two things that are happening. The, the same things that are happening at a kind of uh, retail and consumer level of uh, over leveraged debt, um, uh, uh, wages stagnating while goods and uh, hard assets, investable assets are increasing. That same thing is affecting government, city, especially local governments. You know, they don't have control of the money printer. They are a, a, another customer in this whole uh, context where they have, they're on the hook for massive pensions that they already cannot pay. They are on the hook for providing actual real services that are already not doing a great job and has a very bleak outlook on where that's coming. Cause you look at your own, your own base of people and your tax base is probably shrinking. Um, uh, and the, your ability to control that is, is very small. And so for, um, for the idea of infl inflation at that kind of level is a massive issue for these for these companies. You look at the, a lot of the corporate treasury movement in Bitcoin is very related to why the hell city governments, local governments should also do this. They're sitting on a bunch of cash. They also need to set themselves up, not for just the next quarter of being a sustainable business or a sustainable government, but for the next century. How do you do that? And Bitcoin is probably the only asset that provides even an inkling to that, besides maybe discovering oil underneath your town, maybe potentially would be a something that's just like that. But um, for for them, it's a wonderful. And when you think about the risk and reward possibilities, it's you know again the one percent allocation, five percent allocation could have tremendous effect on turning a small like a, a county like mine, which is very uh, uh, criminally underfunded. The tax base is very. Uh, uh, distributed and is constantly going is, is, is constantly being eroded while at the same time they're trying to raise taxes instead of playing that game 
Bitcoin provides a way that you don't have to raise taxes and potentially keep up the same value of services that you're already providing your uh, people that live in your town. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. It, it, it seems like, you know, when I talk to my local government officials that they have no interest or understanding of Bitcoin, it's a big roadblock. And I ask them what uh, their plans for, for the inevitable inflation that we're currently experiencing and will continue to experience in R and it doesn't seem like they have it. Um, one of the things that blows my mind is what we're starting to see um, his uh, local governments uh, reaching out to the federal reserve and, and the federal government for lending and bailouts, which is just absolutely insane to me because that's, that's a complete, um, that's just like increased centralization. Um, and, and that's, that breaks down our, our government or our governance models, you know, of the government really being for the people and rather it, you know, creates this political, uh, nightmare, you know, where their funding is, um, dictated by these central, uh, controllers. And, um, yeah. I, why, why do you think there's such a disconnect for, for some of these, you know, local politicians and, and seeing the importance of something like Bitcoin and even understanding inflation? Well, number one, I think, you know, politicians, that's not what they don't, that's not what they're, that's not what they've been thinking about. A lot of these politicians got there to do some very specific local thing they wanted to change their town. They're not looking at, you know, macro economists or they're not, they're not, they're not actively, there's not something that's actively on their mind that they've searched, sought out. Because at the same time, the ideas of, of coming inflation, all this, up until maybe this year, were actively hidden from it, on, from, from average, average people. The idea of inflation even happening, it was, it was, you know, would be constantly called out in, you know, joking op-eds of, oh, look at CPI index. There's no, no change. There's no inflation. It's this like weird gaslighting moment where we're all affected by this, where we're told that it's not a thing. And even the measures that we are, that are there supposed to measure the thing are doing a really poor job of measuring the thing and actively any, any part of the data points that start to move it to show some inflation, they then remove that from the calculation. So it's, it's all shrouded in mirrors and we're actually really, it's, there's a concerted effort to keep that out of sight for everyone. So just at the most basic layer, most people's not on everyone's mind. It really was only until this year when you know, the money printers started getting uh, um, uh, fired up again. And now you actually have the Federal Reserve actually talking about inflation, like saying that it will happen, but don't worry, it's just the right amount. It's the good and good kind of inflation. But this is the first time they're actually talking about it. And when they are actually talking about it, it means that it's a, that's, that's the canary, that's not even the canary in the coal mine. That's already, we're already breathing the noxious gas at that point. So, um, so for local politicians, something that just number one wasn't on their mind, Again, a three, two-year cycles makes them in a position to not think long-term anyway. The good thing, though, about city government is that ideally and hopefully you are living in your jurisdiction. So you have more of a um, long-term approach to what you're doing in city government uh, than maybe you, know, you would at the federal level. Um, but I think your point that you, wrote, you raised right there is that it doesn't matter how much the Constitution talks about decentralizing power um, between states in the US and even the various uh, uh, houses of government, it doesn't matter if the money is centralized. It really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, 
that will trump everything. And a lot of the, the, the problems that we're constantly facing are, is a mismatch on, wait, we should be um, independent, decentralized, and we should have these rights as a state or as a person, but it doesn't feel like we have that. And the reason why it doesn't feel like we have that is because value isn't decentralized. Only the idea of value, or only the idea of decentralization is there, but there's no teeth in it to keep it decentralized. And so uh, the very thing that you talk about for a local government to have a portion or a large portion of their treasury allocated to value that cannot be debased or used against them uh, from a federal entity or a centralized entity, which is Bitcoin, is extremely powerful for maintaining independence, for doing what is right for your local people. And what I think is, 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 is keeping the constitution intact is actually what it's really doing. And so um, I, I, I haven't really thought of it in that same framing that you brought up, but um, I think it's setting genius. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's incredibly important. You know, one of the things that you brought up is that the wealth is not decentralized, you know, it's growing ever more centralized. And I think that's the sole job of the, the central bank is to slowly uh, take wealth away from the masses and funnel it into the hands of the few. And it's also, you know, a tool that's used to centralize uh, power and control. And we've seen that happen um, over the last almost 100 years since it's in, or what, 110 years since its inception. Um, yeah, 110. Just want to make sure I've got my math right. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we've seen that happen and it's this kind of incrementalist um, uh, way to go about things to central power and control. It's not like it's a coup overnight, but it's just like slow, slow erosion. I think that's something that's so important in our society for people to understand that wealth is speech, you know, and if you don't have it, you don't have a voice. Um, and that looks like uh, going and buying products from companies that you believe in that aren't, you know, awful and doing these things or, or uh, you know, funding political candidates or even probably one of the most ones is like asset protection, you know, so when the government comes and tries to steal your money, you have the ability to uh, uh, mitigate their theft. Um, and then uh, legal defenses in, in case you get in trouble. Um, you know, it's a huge one. If you don't have money, you don't have access to those things in the same way. Um, and it just, there's no counterbalance. Um, but yeah, it, one, of, one of the things that uh, you know Hillary is talking about was fold is changing people's uh, behavior in the sense of like they're now moving more towards saving, um, using a debit card instead of a credit card, um, you know, being actually cognizant of their spending behaviors. Um, Bitcoin plays a role into that. And that's one thing you were talking about earlier is people using it as um, a savings mechanism. Uh, why, why do you think that behavior is happening? Why, why are you guys seeing those changes in people's behavior? Well, number one, like you look at rewards. Again, we talked about the history of like where rewards come from. It was initially an effort of private money creation when the public money uh, was not working for anybody. And so it was a very decentralized mechanism to go there. And it was outlawed and now it became into this kind of like loyalty program thing. So it, it like looks cute and like looks like a thing, but it actually has very central to what money, how, how's money working and who's allowed to make money and offer in which ways. And so 
Um, when you look at rewards, the, the, um, the uh, primary way rewards are funded is uh, from our debt, debtor society that we've created. The majority of all rewards paid out on any given credit card is funded on the backs of people defaulting on the credit that they took out. And the only way to get that, those rewards is to get the credit. And so, yes, there are winners and losers in this game all the time, but the, the rewards that the winners are getting are funded on the backs of luring people into credit and getting them into this debt cycle. Sometimes you win that game, sometimes you lose, but ultimately it's just a very predatory setup. And historically, that's the only way rewards have been earned is because you got to pay for rewards somewhere. And so in a, in a debit scenario, uh, where there is no extension of credit, where the hell do rewards come from? It's like the subsidies of where the rewards come from are just have to come from different places. And so um, one thing that Fold is trying to do is to offer a product that is giving good rewards, but is not fun, not, not built on this edifice of kind of, 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 of debt enslavement and just, you know, the massive expansion of debt of, that is unsustainable for people. Like that's not a game that, you know, Bitcoin wants to play, Bitcoin hopefully will eradicate that type of behavior overall. And so we see massive amounts of people who are only using credit cards and putting themselves, maybe even shouldn't have been using credit cards, but putting themselves at that risk just to get these like paltry rewards that were given off by a credit card, airline miles, gold standard, you know, treatment, like all of that was just ego stroking, you know, just to get you in this thing. And so full wanted to do change the whole thing. Okay, how do we give you a payments instrument that does not require you to go into debt or extend credit or to do that. You can live off the means that you have while also giving you a reward that is actually valuable. Not, not, hey, we're gonna, you know, you're the, you're, you're, you know, you're platinum member, Lenaldo. No, no, no. How do we just give you something real that you like? And so that's where Fold kind of came together. And that's why our DMs are full of people chopping up their credit cards saying, I used to be constantly in debt. And I have, for the first time, I have been able to pay off my credit cards because I didn't have a credit card anymore. I stopped spending and overextending myself because our society is so already geared towards overextending yourself and then you're going to pay it back later. And guess what? We live in a world now that's too risky to do that kind of stuff. So, you know, you miss out on your job, you get laid off, you get all these things can just put people into horrible, horrible situations. And so bold, I hope. Um, you know, to, and is part of something that is encouraging a different type. Like it looks very similar, spend and rewards, but the underlying architecture and infrastructure built on is, is more something I would, I would feel is, is part of a Bitcoin uh, inspired world rather than a fiat inspired world. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. I mean, it sounds like a product that Dave Ramsey would love. You know, I, that's, I have not even thought about that actually. Yeah, maybe I'll start uh, tweeting at him and, and his daughter, uh, Rachel Cruz. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're, they probably don't read any of it. But yeah, it's, it, it, that's like the whole philosophy that he's been talking about. And uh, what makes it cool is that they're, you know, people really struggle with time preference. And, and that's something that I notice. you know, like when you're looking at this giant pile of debt, like for, for people that get out of school and they might have 40 to a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, you know, and, and they were facing either paying off that debt and lowering risk and driving a shitty car and 
um, you know, living in a small apartment, you know, for forever, because it takes a while to pay that down. Or, you know, you can go and leverage up um, with, you know, dad, buy a house, that's nice, uh, buy a nicer car, you know, finance your iPhone, um, or whatever else. Um, you know, people really struggle with that. And I think that's one of the coolest, you know, concepts of Fold is it, it to some degree, like hacks people's time preference and, and brain, um, you know, with that rewards, but it also like shifts people towards the the lower time preference and, and thinking in the future. Yeah, that's, that's really where a lot of the new, where Fold, you know, Fold right now is I think 10% of what it's, what it's going to be and really moving in that direction. Like there'll be a savings component there that you're, that you're earning rewards for saving too. Like you're earning rewards for not spending. I think that's one of the key pieces that is missing with Fold right now. It's just, we have only, we've only addressed the spending portion, uh, partly because we knew that is, that is what a mass market is, understands, used to. And again, Fold's trying to Trojan horse this whole Bitcoin thing. So um, we started off with the spending. It's gonna move and start incentivizing saving in a very big way, paying bills on time, removing bills that you maybe shouldn't be paying. Um, and so, and all the while, increasing your Bitcoin stack and make sure it's very clear on how that's performing versus maybe, you know, your fiat savings or something like that. And so uh, I, I think you will see a lot more of that concept develop within Fold as we go forward. Um, and I think um, uh, the, you know, being a Bitcoin company is uh, not just about slapping Bitcoin on as a reward or... Um, and I think we can see a lot of different companies that some you might, you know, some may offer Bitcoin in a way, but you don't, they're not a Bitcoin company. It's like, wait, why are they not a Bitcoin company? Like, do they not offer withdrawals? Are they not supporting self-sovereignty about and be able to take ownership of your keys? Or are they focusing and pushing you towards getting out of Bitcoin and getting into all these shit coins and making it seem like, you know, you're always missing out on, on, on this game. Like, that's not too Bitcoin. There's also like the extension of overextension of credit and, and lending and massive risk. That's not very Bitcoin. Um, there's excessive KYC and things. And some, you know, some, you know, I, I'm the first one to say, you know, Fold has KYC to get a card. We have to follow these regulations. But at the same time, if you're not forwarding any of Bitcoin's core principles that are different than just offering the actual asset on your platform, you're not really a Bitcoin company. Like we're here to forward the spirit of Bitcoin as well as the asset of Bitcoin. And I think that for me is an important part of at least businesses and Bitcoin companies that I align with and I think are important are doing things even beyond just offering access to Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, so so what what's the best way to hack the wait list and get off? Well, the good thing is, is that the days of hacking are very, very close to being done. We're moving into accelerated rollouts. The waitlist will go. It's just request an invite. You'll get one in the next week or so. Um, so right now, I think well, last time I checked, like right now, if you do have one or two referrals, you'll probably get it in a week. Um, and so I'd say that's the easiest way for now. But the cool part is in, uh, in May, uh, we are going to be opening the floodgates in a very big way, uh, introducing some new features that are very cool. But the idea is just to get rid of the waitlist because now we've learned so much from our early access community. The thing works. People generally like it. It's having fun. And now we're ready for the big time. So I would say one or two referrals or just uh, just, just sit tight. Nice. 
And when is uh, the instant transfer coming? Instant transfers is one of my and my team. So um, myself, my team, we use Fold for every single thing we do. So all of your pain is our pain, is our pain too. We, we feel it. And um, uh, instant transfers, we had an unfortunate thing where our partner who we were going with, uh, we decided to part ways with them. It just wasn't working in the way we wanted it. Uh, there were some things that we weren't comfortable with. And so we've actually uh, moved away from them. And so what we're working on now is instant funding via Lightning so that you can have any Lightning wallet and you can fund your account or instant funding via another debit card or checking account. Um, it looks like it's about two to three months out for the debit card instant funding. Lightning could drop much sooner than that. And so um, for me, I think that will unlock funding in a very, very big way and the ability to use the card to what it should be. I think, um, but it's unfortunately one of those that seems very simple, but in practice, it's very, very complicated. You know, full has tens of millions flowing through our systems now. If we don't do this right, you know, we can get wrecked by a single fraud run. And so we really have to do it right. And that's why we love lightning funding. That's why I think that's on the top of our list uh, because we have no chargeback or fraud exposure uh, versus a instant debit funding, which comes with a significant exposure to that. Does that mean you guys are going to be partnering with Strike? So the good thing about Strike and Lightning Network overall is that we don't need to partner with anybody. All we have to do is accept, like, uh, you know, and, uh, offer an invoice that can be paid from anywhere. And so we don't even have to go through all these, you know, what you know in a fiat world would normally be these onerous negotiations and partnerships. And oh, you know, you can't do that. Um, that's not doesn't fit with our brands. So you have to stop it. None of that's there. Like we can just open it up. And so. That's really was, um, you know, one of the beautiful things about it. Now, I think Strike's a wonderful product to use to fund it. Um, I think Blue Wallet also, like uh, Love, uh, Breeze, uh, Phoenix, like there's a ton of great wallets um, that are there. And the cool part is that Fold doesn't care where, you, where you're funding it from as long as you're, you know, making sure that we receive Lightning and then you'll be able to, to, to fund it instantly. Yeah. I mean, that's such a big game changer. Jack Mallers was talking about that, how Bitcoin's an open system, uh, unlike, you know, Venmo, which is a closed system where you can't send Venmo to Cash App. Um, you, you need to be using the app. I think that's just, you know, fantastic to think about. I, we could probably even talk about that for like an hour and a half, but yeah. Um, so where, where are some good places people can follow uh, what's going on with Fold for the future? Yeah, I would say, I mean, we're, we are, we, we do no advertising except our Twitter account that we randomly, you know, either just re, uh, retweet what our, our users are saying or just uh, contribute in our own way. So um, at fold underscore app is a good, good way to follow along. Our website, foldapp.com there, download the app in the app store. Um, and those are all good ways to follow along. Um, you can follow me at WLRVS, and uh, sometimes I'll say things, you know, maybe valuable or interesting, but a lot of times it's about like what, what's happening with Fold, how, what we're seeing, and maybe other things related to the space. But, um, you know, main thing is, you know, get the app, start spinning the wheel and, and check it out. I will say definitely you're going to want to have this in the month of May because a lot of huge fun changes are, are coming. Big things coming. You also have a free uh, marketing army. Yes, Bitcoin plebs. Uh, well, some of, some of them. <laughs> no, that's 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 it has absolutely uh, been 
you know, that's what pulled, that's why we don't need to spend money on marketing is because our users market us themselves. And that's the best way is the number one, we get to learn an absolute ton from uh, how people are using it, what they want to see. You know, we're building out in the open. We, you know, we are openly the first ones to admit the product is not even finished. Like we just want you to get in here. So just all feedback here, we're going to build this out together in the open. And, um, uh, the, the plebs have been a, one of the single biggest drivers of, of growth for us, because at the end of the day, it's, these are the people that are evangelizing Bitcoin to their friends and family and fold just happens to be a really great thing to use to forward that or to supplement that, you know, evangelization you're already doing. And so, you know, we, a lot of the times we talk internally at fold is like, how do we. Um, make sure that all of the conversations our users are having evangelizing Bitcoin end up in that person actually becoming a Bitcoiner and hold it. Like, how do we build a product that facilitates that and make sure that actually happens? And that's what you see with Hold. That's why we have this wheel. That's why we have this debit card is that we want to create an experience and interaction that piques someone's interest even beyond the outside of just Bitcoin, but just psychologically piques their interest. You know, people love the spin and flashing and things like that. I'd say that is a fiat hack that we're using to get you into Bitcoin. And so um, a lot of the ways, you know, we have Fold has everything to thank for the uh, the plebs for, for, you know, number one, showing us and sharing us with our friends and family, helping us suggesting new features and also, you know, also giving us criticism and other, other feedback that also will make it into the product and will only make it a better, better experience. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you uh, coming on. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, getting to some of your meetups. Um, again, very proud to be in a place where uh, I'll be able to hopefully attend a little more. Yeah, Arizona is the best. That was a really fun conversation with Will. And I would definitely encourage you to go and follow him on Twitter and uh, check out the company Fold. They're great. But yeah, we got some Bitcoin meetups coming up. I'll keep you posted on the Phoenix one. Um, Tucson Bitcoin meetup is going to be on the 15th from 1 to 3 at Borderlands. And I was really excited. We had a good group last time. And there's a good chance that Will's going to be able to make it. Uh, so you get to meet the uh, CEO of Fold, which would be pretty cool. But yeah, hope you enjoyed this conversation and have a good one.